What is up, everybody? Welcome to Comic Book Club. I'm Alex, and I am a solo here on the camera and the mic this evening, at least for the time being. Fingers crossed I'm going to have somebody join me in a moment. But we are very glad that you are tuning in wherever you're tuning in from. If you're here on Crowdcast, if you're on YouTube, if you're on Facebook, wherever it's going on, it's all good. Just to give you a little explanation, um, we knew Justin wasn't going to be here because he isn't on airplane out to Los Angeles for fancy Hollywood stuff. But Pete, unfortunately, his Wi-Fi went down right before the show start is apparently driving him crazy but that's okay we're gonna have a great show anyway um we have a great guest for you who i will welcome in in a moment but before we start two things one thing if you're watching live drop some questions in the old q a box over there to help your uh buddy alex out who's just gonna have to talk and talk and talk this evening and if you're on youtube or on facebook you can drop a question in the comments we'll get to those later on and they can be about anything it's good if you want some relationship advice mental health advice political advice i'm happy to recommend people you can vote for something like that oh a uh, straight bullet in the comments let me know it's to your left classic great sam wilson reference i get what you're doing very cool. Thank you. But uh, speaking of Stray Bullet, as frequent listeners of the show will know, he is a professional chef down in New Orleans, and he curates drinks for us. And this week, I'm not going to give, well, you're going to see little spoilers here when I bring it up, but he was inspired by Batman number 130, which came out today from DC Comics. If you read this, if you're watching, I'm not going to read this for anybody who's listening just so you don't get spoiled, but just know, avert your eyes if you don't want to know. Uh, but in Batman 130, some big stuff happens with Batman. And so he designed this cocktail called To the Moon and Bat, which I got one of them over here. And it's rye, amaro, falernum, orange bitters, peachouts bitters. The kicker is smoked paprika and orange peel. And uh, yeah, if, if you're on our Patreon Slack, patreon.com slash comic book club, you can get the full recipe there. Also, Brent and I have been working on some recipe videos. We put one up on TikTok just the other day, tiktok.com slash comic book club or at comic book club live. I'm still trying to figure that site out. And uh, we'll have this one up as well. He sent me a very fun video. But again, your old buddy Alex has got to edit that. It's It's all me, baby. Except it's not, because we have a great guest for you this evening who I am going to bring into the stream right now. He is the creator of an amazing new, well, now it's a graphic novel from Dark Horse Comics, and I'm trying desperately to bring him in here. Here we go. Oh, my God. There he, Oh, nope. Wait. Oh, so close. Why won't this work? There we go. Oh, no. Okay. Hold on. I got this. Here we go. Pull everyone in wing into stage. I know what I'm doing. Hey, John Dunning, yeah, how are you? Here I am. Hello. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, and John, I just want to let you know up front, it's always as smooth as this. Excellent. This is, this is like oh, top tier show going over right Man, now. I don't know how you do it. It's such a complicated <laughs> thing. I'm always so impressed with podcasters. It's amazing. Yes. Uh, well, thank you for coming in. I'm very excited to talk about this book. This is awesome. This came Thanks out last month, I believe, from Dark Horse. Yeah, so, yeah, so it came out 17th of November. Yeah, I mean, it, it, since I've been working on it for like two years, it feels like it's, it's been up forever. But yes, to the outside world in this time era, it has come out on the 17th of November. Yeah. Well, I really love this book, and I, I'm going to bring up some images for anybody who's watching live in a moment. Uh, but um, just the, the main thing that I wanted to throw by you... Yeah. So reading through it, it seems mm. like, in the best way, it's a mishmash of a bunch of different sci-fi ideas mm. that are formed together in a new way, which, mm. again, I think is like the best of sci-fi is when you take that stuff. But a couple of inspirations that I pulled out that I was curious mm. to throw by mm. you. Definitely Blade Runner. Blade Runner. I got a bunch yes. of that in there. Uh, also a little bit of Total Recall, particularly without getting into spoilers towards the end. Yeah. Am I on par with that yeah yeah man i mean I, I mean i don't know i don't know how one could possibly like science fiction without loving blade runner it's just it's it's such a perfect film and i think even people who don't like science fiction love blade runner um i think so so of course it was an important reference i think one of the things that inspired me most about it and something uh which i was determined to do with this book and that will lead us into an entire rabbit hole of of, <laughs> of conversations but basically I think we're having a major problem with science fiction at the moment where 
almost everything that is science fiction is dystopian. You know, we've gone from a period of kind of 50s, kind of classic golden age of sci-fi where everything's wonderful and everyone's going to be in Cadillacs on the moon, eating sort of, you know, tablets of spinach, um, you know, to a situation where, um, you know, everything is dreadful, everything's grey, everything's beige, um, and we're all going to die a horrible death soon um, without any fun happening in between. So for me, Blade Runner is this kind of really important point where, you know, it's exploring darker ideas, but there's something still very optimistic about it. And for me, the, the, the sort of clearest example is the first Blade Runner movie and the second Blade Runner movie. You know, the first Blade Runner movie, it's, it's hardly an easy world that um, Philip K. Dick was writing about and Ridley Scott put on the screen. But let's face it, like all those places that are portrayed, you want to go to. You know, Pris might snap your head off, but God, she's so hot and she's really well dressed, you know. And, you know, Rutger Hauer might also like rip your balls out, but, you know, he's really handsome and you'd probably go on a second date with him anyway. So, you know, that, that I feel about the first Blade Runner film. But the second Blade Runner film, I mean, it's a good film, but I wouldn't want to be there for, for any of it or meet any of the characters. And for me, that was this, um, the, the, this sort of problem I was trying to, to, to kind of balance. And that was my challenge was how do I make science fiction, which you'd want to be in that world, however hard it is. And also that's maybe quite a lot of fun, which, you know, I hope this world is. Uh, well, I definitely think it is. And one of the things that I really enjoyed about it is kind of the the look of the thing. Obviously, that's a little bit up to the artist, but it takes place in this world just to kind of set it up a little bit. And I know you touched on some of this, but uh, where there's this detective, she has her mind wiped between every case, hence the title mm -hmm. Wiper. And we have, explore the city, this world where there's aliens mixing with humans. But it it felt to me like it's it's these very humanoid aliens, but it's not humanoid aliens in the mode of Star Trek, where it's them with just kind of a ridge on their head, and that's pretty <laughs> much it. Uh, what was involved, given that we've had so many different takes <clears throat> on aliens and so many different species, <clears throat> in creating <clears throat> something that feels inherently new? Well, that's, that's such a great question, and that was another thing that was absolutely key, was, you know, completely bizarre aliens, you know, and I wanted this sort of concept of complete mutation, you know, as opposed to, as you say, maybe something a little bit more like a, a Star Trek, which I also really enjoy, and uh, Babylon 5 and that kind of thing, where it's just the people with knobbly ridges on their head, really. Um, so, and I think inspiration for that was stuff like the Legion of Superheroes, the Keith Giffen run in the 80s, which was just completely bonkers. And then also... Um, you know, some science fiction, like, uh, I don't know whether you've read any, read any, read any of that Clark Ashton Smith, uh, like, Zikarp. Oh, you have that right there. I love it. Oh, so I mean, I'm just, I always carry a copy around with me. <laughs> <laughs> and then, you know, also stuff like uh, Tanith Lee's uh, Silver Metal Lover, and, uh, you know, even like Anne McCaffrey's The Ship Who Sang, uh, you know, or, you know, Philip K. Dick's Divine Invasion. Like, these were sort of, these were things that were sort of, in the background and we're sort of informing not all of them have got aliens in them but it's it's a sort of this idea of um using science fiction to be quite outlandish and uh, to play with those ideas i guess the thing uh, thank you for explaining the the story and giving an elevator pitch i'm just straight in on thematics without explaining any of the story so <laughs> that's good yeah so it's a it's a it's a sort of classic private detective um uh, sort of genre piece which you know was done beautifully uh by philip k dick uh, you know, in his book, Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep? But, you know, I love all of that old pulp crime. You know, uh, I love Chester Himes and, uh, you know, all of all of those boys uh, who wrote all the way back to the 30s, really. Um, so, so so that was something I wanted to play with as well. And, and, it's, and I find it's a very useful way of exploring a world. You know, to have a private investigator exploring a mystery is a really uh, kind of... A, good way to lead uh, readers into a world and to, to navigate it with them. So, so I found that that was quite a useful tool to use. Um, I think something which may or may not be immediately apparent in this book is obviously I start off by just, you know, obliterating the West completely um, and relocating to Africa where the story takes place and the sort of center of civilization has moved to Africa. Um, I grew up in South Africa and Kenya 
So it was really interesting for me watching things like Blade Runner, watching things like Alien, you know, watching all these things. But essentially, all the science fiction seemed to be focused around the West and, you know, basically America, really, um, North America. And so it, it was it was strange to be uh, watching all of this material and, you know, taking it to one's heart. But it was never about the place that you're from or from, you know, with people that you recognized as kind of, you know, major parts of the majority of the population, really, um, in, in the case of South Africa and Kenya. So for me, that was a, another ambition was to sort of relocate a science fiction in Africa. Um, and you'll see that the themes, the way aliens are treated, like there's a hierarchy where, you know, there's humans and then there's robots and then there's aliens. And actually the aliens that are allowed in the cities are either kind of humanoid aliens or cute aliens. The less cute or human, the less you're really allowed to be around humans. So there's a there's a sort of hierarchy and a kind of racism intrinsic in that structure, which I'm looking at as well. Well, I, I got to ask then, not to put you on the spot or anything, mm. but given that you grew up in South Africa, were you pulling on any of the racism issues there? For totally, this man. I mean, of course, yeah. I mean, you know, I grew up under apartheid, so you know, you weren't allowed to be in the same building as somebody of another race. Um, and that was enforced by law and by the police, you know, so it was it was a really extreme environment. And um, I was actually drafted into the military at 18 and left the country uh, to flee that. And then Mandela was released and everything changed and it was absolutely fantastic. And there was this wonderful moment of all the exiles coming back to universities to lecture. And I went to the first film school there and that was kind of uh, that was a really, really wonderful sort of rebirth. Uh, but yes, definitely. I mean, I grew up in a really extreme environment and that was something I was looking at in this in this book as well. And it leaves one with a sort of, um, let's say, a suspicious, suspicious mind when it comes to to governments and big business and the sort of uh, utopian narratives that they might spin. Um, and I think that's there's a lot of that as well in here, you know, about social media and about various platforms that shall remain nameless, uh, you know, and, and how they can be manipulated and how strange uh, you know, companies can perhaps even believe they are being utopian, you know, but it's so dangerous to impose your utopia on somebody else because, you know, all of our ideas of utopia are never going to be the same one. Mm. Uh, I, I did what I ask you about the germ of the concept, though, mm. because, again, without getting into spoilers, it gets blown out in a big way. And obviously mm. it ties into the overall mystery of what's going on. I don't mm. think that's a huge surprise for people. Mm -hmm. But... You do have this character who is a detective, like we said, who has her memory wiped between every case. So mm. where did that start? Was that the germ of the idea and then everything kind of blew yeah, out from that's, there? Yeah, well spotted, Alex. That's exactly right. It was, um, you know, my last graphic novel, my last graphic novel, Tumult, was more of a sort of Patricia Highsmith kind of Hitchcock uh, love story between a guy and a, and, a, and a woman who he falls in love with who's got multiple personality disorder. And that's also got to do with kind of, uh, you know, uh, splitting your personality into sections and uh, dealing with memories in a very particular way and managing memories. So I think it's something that I continue to be interested in. Um, and I think that is probably got to do with, uh, you know, again, sort of growing up gay in a country where that was illegal. And so uh, basically uh, putting forward certain parts of your personality and presenting yourself in certain ways while keeping certain ways hidden and masked and even remembering things differently as well or saying that you do. So this is, there's, there was a lot of sort of, uh, uh, sort of cloak and dagger going on. And I think mm -hmm. that that concept of that uh, really interested me and was part of my, my experience. But also what interested me, uh, you, know, you know, drama aside, uh, you know, childhood drama aside is a uh, this concept of memory is very interesting. And I think, um, you know, you see it with people uh, who are involved in trauma. On the one hand, you also see it with people and sort of, uh, you know, who are kind of alien abduction victims or in inverted commas or, you know, whatever is this concept of masked memories and inserted memories, which is a really extreme example of the fact that I think all of us remember things differently. And the thing that really kind of amused me, and uh, I realized that I'd probably drawn on this book uh, from, was I always used to write diaries quite late, you know, probably into my sort of 20s and early 30s. 
And I'd sometimes look back at a diary or something that had happened 10 years ago, and it was completely different from the way I remembered it. And if I look at what diverted from what I recorded and, and really happened and what my memory was, it's sort of related to narratives that I was telling myself about my life or about what that person was like. You know, how I think of them now would have colored how I remembered what had happened years ago. So you start to realize memory is actually very malleable. So because I was playing with that idea, I kind of extracted it to the absolute nth degree of somebody who has their memory completely wiped and starts anew every time. Um, but it's, it's sort of playing with all of those things which are in all of our lives and are a reality. Well, another thing that you're playing with this is actually two related things. And again, I'm skirting spoilers without specifically saying any here, but I, I mean, I'm curious to hear you talk about it. Is this also deals with... Issues... Terrible about spoilers. have yeah. to remember, like, what, what are they? What are they? Yeah. Yes. Uh, I well, just go and read my books immediately and then we then have Yeah, there to you go. We're good. Spoilers, yeah. well, it's yeah. been out for a month, so it's fine. So yeah. I, I guess I'll yeah. put like a little bit of a spoiler <laughs> warning here, even though I'm not going to mention the specifics. No, but no, go for it. Go for it. Something that you also deal with here, particularly towards the end of the book, is the idea of gender and mm. what gender is as a construct and how we deal with mm. that and how that forms who we are as people. Mm. So I'd love to hear you talk about that a little bit, particularly as it feeds into the book. Yeah, well, I mean, it's something I really believe in, you know, probably in a more sort of 90s fashion mm -hmm. um, than now. I mean, I, I don't think I ever had any kind of gender dysmorphia myself, um, but I always felt quite um, uncomfortable with this idea that, you know, you're a guy, you've got certain kind of bits on your body and therefore you have to behave in a certain way and, and, and you have to kind of fit quite a narrow sort of box. And so I think, you know, what's happened recently and the sort of opening up of that is, is really interesting. And it was something that I felt very, very strongly about. And um, yeah, so, so, so I think I put that, I put that in there, you know, I, I, I'm not, I, 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 I'm quite broad and it's just because that's my experience, you know, I don't like to be too prescriptive about that. Um, but I, I, I think it's important how everyone identifies, you know, even if one's completely cisgender or whatever is that, you know, I, th I think we've all got lots of different personalities within us and we've got lots of different desires and ambitions and all these kinds of things and I think all of us benefit from having a really kind of open um, relationship with that and uh, you know and and feeling quite um, yeah just the the beautiful mutation of it you know I, I think all of us have that you know however one identifies so that that was really important and again probably comes from a situation where you know, when I was growing up, uh, you know, particularly in South Africa under the apartheid regime, it was very, very um, Christian and very uh, Bible Belt, basically. So, yeah. Ever heard of that? Yeah. yeah I don't know whether you guys bit. have that over there. Not yeah. really. We're pretty good uh, with everything yeah, here yeah, in America. Exactly. The, exactly. Uh, I, I just want to also emphasize for any listeners or viewers at this point that these are some really big heady ideas that you're talking about in this book and i love what i really love about it is that they are in there but at the same time it's a detective story it's an adventure yeah. there's action Dude, there's and i also hope romance. it's a bit of a romp as well mm -hmm. you know i hope it's a bit of a sexy romp you know um i i'm talking about you know super high-minded stuff here but as you say like I, I love my comics you know like one of my favorite um comic runs is that uh is that Justice League run, uh, you know, with Demetrius, mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, going into Justice League International, where you sort of have, there's just a lot of fun. And I love a lot of Grant Morrison's stuff as well. And uh, uh, Justice League run and the Doom Patrol run. And just this, I don't know, for me, there, there has to be a sense of fun. I don't want to torture my readers. You know, I've, I, I've really enjoyed those books. I love um, being pelted with kind of crazy ideas and big ideas, but I kind of like being entertained while while that happens to me, you know. Like a like a more recent example is something like um, Hawkeye, mm -hmm. you know that that amazing David Archer run was just so beautiful and so full of great concepts. And obviously the writer is an amazing writer as well. And uh, you know that was I, I think that was um, that was a really that was a really great balancing act between kind of high concept and quite. Uh, experimental narrative and just a hugely fun comic book and you know that's that's what we love that's what we're in it for well to mention one particular i guess you can call it a scene that i really love that just goes 
wildly in a different direction than you expect. She's <laughs> investigating a place where it's sort of like a, a, a kind of like a sexual utopia, sort of. And mm. she gets there. There's a hot dude, and he's like, "Hey, you want to have sex in this colorful whale that's floating here? It's going to give us a lot of sensation." She's like, "Sounds great. Let's take a little break." <laughs> uh, where did that idea in particular come from, and how did it's you? Very autobiographical. Into... Oh, yeah. okay. no, 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 it's really not. Um, yeah, I don't know. It was also it was also this concept of um, I'm very inspired by uh, 1950s Japanese manga, like particularly horror manga. Like there's some amazing uh, collections uh, by this guy called Kazuo Umezu or Umez. They're, they're uh, uh, spelling it now with Viz. And there's a series called Orochi, which is being uh, published at the moment. And Japanese are really great at telling great story and they you know they're really swift and they're pacey but they also stop and kind of smell the flowers sometimes and just have these like strange pauses and asides and that's sort of what I wanted to do with that which is you know in that in that part of the story and I, this isn't a plot spoiler but you know she's just in the middle of an investigation and then she meets this hot guy and she gets this you know proposition and she's in this very weird space like that's one of those ideas of a kind of quite weird alien that they get involved in which is sort of basically it's a sex, it's a sort of sex tent alien that you get into. And then if you have sex in there, it just increases the pleasure like a thousandfold. Now I've got a really good story about that alien sex whale. Okay. okay. So, so basically if I really trace it back, Dave McKean was involved in that sex whale. Here's why. Oh, if I had a nickel okay. for every time I heard Dave McKean was involved in that sex whale, but go ahead. So basically, um, I curated uh, the biggest exhibition of comic book art and writing that's been in the UK at the British Library. And so we did this amazing exhibition and, you know, that used their collection and stuff. And Dave McKean designed the exhibition. So he built the exhibition and he designed the whole thing. It was absolutely beautiful. And it was all about uh, rebellion in comic books. So it was about magic. It was about gender. It was about politics, race, sex, all these different things and the occult as well. And basically in the sex section, there was obviously some quite adult material. So to allow it to be child-friendly as well, uh, Dave McKean built this kind of really beautiful kind of pink, weird fabric sex tent, which was quite fun. So it felt quite illicit. You had to sort of climb your way into the sex tent to look at the sex material. And I just found it so funny. And, you know, as part of the curating department, we just kept joking about the sex tent like, and it just became the highlight of the whole show so somehow that sat in the back of my mind and when I was writing this book I put it in as a character and when I told uh, the artist what it was like I said think of it as a as a cross between a circus tent and Dr Seuss and then that's what he drew so it became a sex whale so anyway so long story short that that was the origin of the sex whale this is not about the book, but I love the fact that the idea was like, hey, you know what kids won't want to go into? A colorful tent in the middle of the room. <laughs> okay, maybe it wasn't that well planned now that you mentioned it. <laughs> uh, I do have a nothing to do with the comics question here for the comments. This is from Nat Towson. Can you ask John where he buys his sweaters? My man is styling. Ah, oh, excellent, man. This is Uniqlo. I'm always dressed by Uniqlo. There you go. Yeah, love Uniqlo. Thanks. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> uh, there you go. We don't specifically have any comics questions about that, but uh, I did want to ask you before you let you go, though, this book is on the stands now. It's great. I love it, as I've expressed several times already. But uh, what are you working on now? What can people look forward to you from you in the future? So what I haven't really sung the praises of enough uh, in this interview is the artist Ricardo Cabral, who is uh, Lisbon based, and he is absolutely amazing. I mean, you know, obviously, I'm an amazing writer. Uh, but uh, not really, but uh, but but he really what he's done with the art is absolutely incredible. And um, he has spent so much time and care on world building and he's been a real pleasure to work with. Um, this this book couldn't have been the book it is without him kind of, you know, just the architecture and the design of everything. It's amazing. So um, so he's incredible. And we had a really, really good collaboration and we're friends. You know, we were friends before that, but um, we, we collaborated on this. We now have a series coming up from Dark Horse, which is a horror, a contemporary horror. So it's quite a change in direction. Um, and that will be coming out next year sometime. Mm. So, yeah, watch the space.
Awesome. John, that's so cool. I can't wait to check it out. Thank you so much for hopping on. Thank you for talking about the book. It's great. Uh, absolutely. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I'm a big fan of what you do and uh, keep, keep, on, keep up the good work. And uh, we're so pleased to have been featured on it. Oh, absolutely. Have a good night, John. Thanks a lot. All right. There we go. Once again, that was John Dunning. The book is called Wiper. It's out from Dark Horse Comics. Right now, you can get the whole whole thing. It's a trade paperback. You can pick it up. And now it is time for my favorite section, because you all make it up and help me keep this show going. It is your audience questions. And for audience questions, all you got to do is drop a question in the Q&A button over to the left, I believe, I've been told, on Crowdcast. Or you can drop it in the comments over on YouTube. And I will get to that uh, when I get to that. I'll try to keep an eye on it is basically what I'm saying. Uh, but we got a couple of questions here. So why don't we get to them while I continue to monologue on? Also, note I saw Pete pop in for a second and then maybe his Wi-Fi cut off again. So again, still fingers crossed that Pete's going to make it through somehow, probably for the end of the show. When uh, we talk about what comics he's looking forward to, he'll shout Punisher and then his Wi-Fi will cut off again. This is from Bruce the Wayne Johnson. What is the number one sci-fi world you would like to live in? Ooh, this is a great question. I so I feel like the most common time I've heard this question is like specifically what fantasy world would you want to live in? And I always thought about this when Game of Thrones was coming out that on Game of Thrones, I would not be a lord. I would not be some fighter or something. I would be one of those peasants in Flea Bottom that gets stepped on by a dragon or something like that. But in terms of sci-fi world, that's a good one. I'm trying to think of things recently. This is this is a terrible one as well, but I was writing at work today a little bit about Raised by Wolves, a sadly canceled show. That would be a terrible world to live in, but there are so many interesting things going on there. You eat some weird food and everybody goes crazy. There's androids running around with their milky bodies. There's a snake flying through the air that was birthed out of a, a woman's mouth. If you've never seen Raised by Wolves and don't know what I'm talking about, check it out because it's super weird. Definitely not the number one sci-fi world I want to live in. I feel like probably the right answer is Star Trek, if anything, because despite everything that goes on in space all the time, for the most part, that's a utopia. So if you want to be safe and live a long, happy life, I think the answer is probably Star Trek. Um, ooh, great on par question here from Stray Bullet that I'm going to queue up. Actually, I'll go to this one in a second. First, I'm going to go over to YouTube. This is from Kevin Wilcox. What superhero would make the coolest Mr. Potato Head or other toy mashup? I assume this question is because behind me I have Darth Tater, the Darth Vader, Mr. Potato Head. But in terms of a superhero, definitely not Deadpool, because you're not going to put a mouth on him unless you're doing the X-Men Origins Wolverine version. That's not going to happen. That's not going to be fun. Spider-Man also, I know they have a Spider-Man one. I think we have a Spider-Man one somewhere over there to the left in my house. And it wasn't that fun because it's just like you take a you take this weird, super tight cloth spider-man suit and you put it over him and then you give him arms and legs and there's no customization stray bullet says dupe another terrible answer actually no that's a good answer because you can give him like different mouths and legs and arms and things and put like an x on him and then take it off and stuff i'm gonna i'm gonna steal that one i'm gonna say dupe that's a good answer and as a reward for that i'm gonna answer your question stray bullet now that you've lost the other two hosts what amazing direction are you going to take the show and are you now the james gunn of comic book club that's a great question. Uh, yes, I definitely see myself as the James Gunn of Comic Book Club. The big thing that I'm going to be doing now is uh, really listening to the fans and understanding what the fan wants and then ignoring it and doing whatever I want based on the impossible demands that my boss, David Zaslav, who bought the show recently, put on us. Uh, so there you go. No, I don't think about myself as the James Gunn of Comic Book Club necessarily. Um, but in terms of the amazing direction, it's going to be a lot more of me talking. That's the direction that I'm going to take it in versus hearing from Justin and Pete and their opinions. Nobody needs that. We don't need that. I don't need that. It's fine. 
It's totally fine. They're also hopefully never going to listen to this and hear the answer to this question. We got another one here. This is from Kevin. What's a part of history you think has been underrepresented in comics? Please also answer for Pete and Justin. Thank you, Kevin, providing more content for me to talk about it. I appreciate it. Uh, period of history that's been underrepresented in comics. That's a hard thing because there have been so many different periods of history that have been tackled in many different ways from when you have it as a superhero metaphor to straight bio comic to anything like that. Um, so uh, I don't know. I would say, and this is obviously coming from my very Jewish perspective, but as far as I'm aware, there's not a lot of Israeli history necessarily that's been in comics. And just to give you a little bit of my background, I went to Hebrew school a couple of nights a week when I was in elementary school and high school, uh, elementary school and junior high school. I went to Hebrew high school at night a couple of times a week. And one of the big things about all of these things, I ultimately ended up being like much more lax of a Jew, to be perfectly honest with you guys. But one of the big things that I really took with me is they taught a lot of history, not just not just like Torah Bible history, but Israeli history, Jewish history. Um, and I always really valued that. And I find I pull on that a lot more than I would think. Uh, and I was always very fascinated by the early days of Israel, which... Obviously, Israel is a very controversial state. I understand that, and I own that, and there's a lot of issues there that I've come to understand more over time. But those early things about those short wars, like the Six-Day War and other things where they were beset on all sides by people who were trying to destroy them, and they held them off by being, yet by being very smaller, I always thought that was very interesting. I think, if I remember correctly, Chris Claremont dealt with that a little bit in his X-Men run which seems like a very clear metaphor going on there. But uh, I don't know. I think there's more to be said there. And I know there was a lot of blowback to this, but with Sabra, the one Israeli superhero in Marvel Comics, showing up in Captain America New World Order, maybe there's an opportunity to delve into something there. It worries me because even beyond pure history, Israel is such a touchy subject for so many different people in so many different ways. But I, I don't know. I think it's something you could do. Uh, for Pete and Justin, to answer for Justin, I think he would like to see the part of history that is, which one does he like? Atlantis Attacks, Armor Wars, something like that. He'd love to see that part of history more represented. And Pete would doesn't like history and doesn't like reading. So there you go. That's my answer. This is from David Quinley over on YouTube. Uh, what comic book adaptation would you like to see? Me, it be Miracle Man. Well, maybe he's talking like a pirate. Maybe that's what's going on. I Miracle Man would be very interesting. My only hesitation with that as a property to adapt for TV or movies or anything like that is at this point we've seen so many dark Superman types and riff on Superman types in media it's really tough to beat that. Uh, there was a rumor, I don't know how true this is, but there was a rumor that one of the villains, if not the main villain of Marvel's Thunderbolts movie is going to be a dark Superman type, potentially Hyperion of Squadron Supreme or something like that, which makes a lot of sense. And the concern there is very specifically, and I do think this is a fair concern, you've got Homelander over on The Boys, who is this now iconic in his own right, dark Superman type character. How do you do that differently? So Miracle Man is a phenomenal story. I think that's something that could potentially be done justice in a TV show and particularly because it's ongoing. Nat Towson calls out Invincible as well. Yes, Omni-Man, absolutely, 100%. Uh, Prime Video has it locked down, whether you want a dark Superman or an even darker Superman with a mustache, they got you covered. But one, I call this out all the time, but I would love to see Concrete adapted in some way. It's such a heady, brainy thing that's been created if you've never read it. It is about a guy who was kidnapped by aliens and encased in this concrete suit. And he spends most of the time sitting down being like, oh boy, 
what do I think about this? How does that, how does this make me feel? He starts off in the first volume being like, well, I guess I should be like a superhero type because I have this impervious skin now. And then very quickly realizes, no, I don't want to do that. But there's also all this ongoing plot stuff with the aliens and why they changed him. There's an incredible romance in there as well. And I think it would be very different for a lot of superhero TV shows or movies that we have out there right now. But in a really good way, I, I think somebody, if the right creator came on board, they really, really could do that justice. This is from Bruce the Wayne Johnson over here on Crowdcast. Is Pete a replicant? That's a great question. He definitely has tears in the rain, if I remember correctly. Whenever he cries, whenever it's raining, he cries at the same time, which is, I believe, what that speech for Blade Runner meant. And also, uh, the other day, I cut him and he bled milk. I don't know if that's replicants, but that's definitely Ridley Scott. He likes his milky androids, so I'm going to assume that's correct. Uh, this is the little uh, little thing that I'll confess here. I've never seen Blade Runner. Don't tell anybody. All right, moving on. This is from Pablo D. Martinez. What do you think of the trailers that came out last week? Uh, Pablo, if you could... <laughs> clarify in the comments which trailers you're talking about i assume you're talking about guardians of the galaxy uh volume three we talked about that at a little bit at the end of a podcast we taped about guardians of the galaxy volume two which very timely isn't coming out for like a month or so but uh, it's great it really got me in the feels everybody's freaking out right now in the comments about the fact that i haven't uh, seen blade runner i also have not seen Blade Runner 2049, if that makes it any better. Does it? Oh, okay. Nat Townsend says, that's fine. So we're back on track. The Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3 trailer is phenomenal. I thought it was so good. It's funny. It uh, is emotional. It teases. We put up a little video about potentially who's going to die in Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 3. I don't know that anybody will, but I think it gives a real sense of stakes, but still has the sense of Guardians of the Galaxy throughout, and particularly after the holiday special. Man, I'm so excited about that. Also, Pablo says he's talking about Indy 5 and that other movie. I think you'll have to clarify what that other movie is. Pablo, maybe do some research while I'm talking about Indy 5. Here's maybe another controversial take. That Indy 5 trailer made me feel nothing. Like, uh, literally nothing. Love Harrison Ford. Great guy. Enjoyed the Indiana Jones movies. I... I just couldn't connect with it. I, and there was something about like, he's very old now and that's fine, but we already had one movie that was about Indiana Jones passing the torch, uh, crystal skull. It was not good. Uh, and now we're getting another one granted Harrison Ford passing the torch to Phoebe Waller bridge is a massive step up from passing it to Shia LaBeouf. So very excited about that. I hope they follow her. I hope they, uh, have Phoebe Waller Bridge be the new Indiana Jones. That would be great. Or alternately, she could make her own stuff and that would be fine too and not be trapped in the Indiana Jones franchise. But from the title on down, Indiana Jones, The Dial of Destiny is a very weird title. It's certainly banking on a lot of nostalgia there. But ultimately, if it's a fun movie, it doesn't matter whatever I feel about the trailer. I think I'm not going to necessarily hold it to the standard of, say the last crusade or anything like that but if it's a fun romp if it's not a disaster like crystal skull that's fine go for it it's good i'll watch an indiana jones movie i'll watch harrison ford do some fun adventure stuff sounds good to me the other two questions um uh nat Townsend says a new ant-man there was a little teaser out of ccxp which is the brazilian convention they showed a tiny little bit appropriate for ant-man new footage that seemed fine. There was Transformers Beast Wars trailer, as Pablo mentions, is the other one he was talking about. That's fine. I don't know. I I stopped watching the Transformers movies after the third one. I tried watching Bumblebee because everybody told me it was great, and I was like, this is again a Transformers movie. I'm sure Pete would be yelling at me right now if he was on, and he is! Hey, How dare Pete. you, Selvin? How oh dare you goodness. mock the Bumblebee? I started insulting Transformers movies and suddenly you're... Bumblebee was great. Yes, Ben the Border Collie. I agree. Were you waiting for this? Haley Steinfeld was, is a national treasure. 
Were you waiting for the perfect time to pop in where I insulted something you liked? I wish, or, buddy. I wish. Or did that power up your internet? Did you see like the bars? <laughs> All of a sudden, it just came to life. It was like, it was a weird... Uh, I've just been refreshing, refreshing, trying to get into this. It's I tried very to popular, get in, man. It's very I, popular. I tried to get in earlier when you were doing the interview, and then all of a sudden it, it uh, just shut down. So, Oh, man. Well, listen, as a dissenting opinion, did you watch the Transformers Beast Wars trailer? And if so, what did you think? Yes, I did. Uh, Beast Wars is when they kind of uh, fell off for me. I know JT Sizzle was more of a Beast Wars guy. Um, but, uh, I feel like, uh, you know, I'm definitely going to, uh, give it a try. Uh, the trailer was interesting for sure. And the last one we were going to talk about is cocaine bear. There was a trailer for this. Uh, did you see the trailer for this Pete? I, I saw a lot of, uh, like cocaine bear, cocaine bear. And then it was mm -hmm. trending. And then I was like, I, I'm not sure I want to click on it because I don't know if I want to know if this is real or what so this is. So here's, here's the thing about it, and I'll spoil the end of this and say I'm going to be a real sourpuss here and uh, you know not get on the internet's fun, and I'm sorry about that. But this is based on a real story. There is a, uh, a criminal, is what I wanted to say, drug dealer, I guess, who threw a ton of cocaine out of an airplane and then jumped out of the airplane after it. His chute didn't go off, so he died. And the cocaine landed in the woods, and a bear found it and ate all of the cocaine, and a couple of days later died. And then the bear was stuffed and put on display in a store that sells cocaine bear merchandise. And now they're making a movie about the cocaine bear going crazy and killing people. And oh, it's, well. it's by Elizabeth Banks. And here's the thing. Wait, wait, did you just say Elizabeth Banks also? Yeah, you can always bank on banks. That's oh what God. I always say. Anyway, she's directing it. It's an all-star cast and everything. Uh, yes, Ray Liotta is in it. Uh, R.I.P. Ray Liotta. Bruce Wayne Johnson said he, of course, was killed by the cocaine bear, and that's very sad to hear. And that's not true. But my main, my main thing about it is I know we have these true stories, but... This is going to sound ridiculous when I say it out loud. It makes me very uncomfortable the making fun of this bear who actually died and then was stuffed. Are the they very... making fun of it or is it more of a document? I don't know if they're making no, fun of No, it's bear. a goofy comedy is what it looks like about a bunch of dumbasses in the woods who get attached by a bear that's hepped up on cocaine. Straight Bullet says bears die all the time, Alex. Yes, but this was... I don't know. It was human caused, and then people have used it as a weird. Its corpse as a weird mascot for years. Uh, the whole thing makes me very uncomfortable. Well, uh, yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot to unpack there. But uh, how did the interview go? Uh, I I've read his book. It took forever, but man, it was really great. <laughs> uh, it went very well. You should check it out on the Comic Book Club podcast. I'm I might because right. I was very interested. It's a very elaborate well-told story that, i'll tell you what not to i don't know if he's still on but i mean this sincerely very well-spoken thoughtful dude with some really interesting things to say about the book again it's called wiper from dark horse comics yeah really and cool if you read it or have any interest in reading it check out the interview in the first half of this podcast if you somehow mysteriously come in in the second half of the podcast yeah, it's then, also uh, like uh i mean when you start it it's like you tell like, oh, this is a very dense, well thought out world here. This is a very interesting thing to kind of step into. Yeah. This whole idea of wiper has become kind of popular. This idea of like, you know, wiping your memory and uh, kind of so interesting. Yeah. And I loved it was just a fun Dora reference. You know, Dora the Explorer. Wiper, no wiping. Right. Oh, wow. Yes. Just I, flexing, didn't, I didn't say flexing that. Your dad flexing knowledge. about. Yeah, Dora the Explorer. Dad, okay. dad knowledge. This is from Frederico Rosa over on YouTube. What's your guys' favorite and least favorite MCU projects from Phase 4, and what did you think about it as a whole? Hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure everything that is. I've lost track of the phases at this point. You can <laughs> Well, Phase 4 go fuck starts with, the phases. with Black I... Widow, and it ends with Wakanda Forever. Huh? So it's well, everything in between. All the TV series, all the movies, everything. Oh, it counts TV series. Yeah. Wow, look at that. 
Um, I don't know, man. Um, it's it's definitely getting Wait, interesting. Here, I'm going to look it up. I'll list it for you so you have the full span. You ready? This is everything in Phase 4, which, mind you, every previous phase has been like, here's six movies. Mm-hmm. Phase 4 is Black Widow, Shang-Chi, Eternal, Spider-Man No Way Home, Doctor Strange, The Multiverse of Madness, Thor, Love and Thunder, Black Panther, Wakanda Forever, WandaVision, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier, All right, Loki, I know the TV What show. If, Hawkeye, yeah. Moon right. Knight, Miss Marvel, I Am Groot, She-Hulk, Attorney at Law, Werewolf by Night, and the Guardians of the Galaxy Holiday Special. Wow. Okay, so least favorites Eternals. Mm, That's an easy okay. one. You know? Uh, and there's a lot of great uh, TV shows and movies. Um, I mean, I saw Wakanda Forever twice in the theater, so like... Uh, yeah, I mean, uh, there was a there was a lot of great stuff that came out in Phase Four. I'm a I I don't know. I mean, it's it's a little crazy to think that like I guess Seeker Evasion is the next big thing. I think. Oh my gosh, maybe Secret Invasion. There's also Echo, though. Apparently, there's some rumors of like behind the scenes issues with that or something. So that might be a while. They're also shooting Agatha Coven of Chaos. Just to answer the question real quick, in terms of favorite and least favorite, I think they're the both TV series. Um, I keep going back and forth. I watched Loki with my son, and honestly, even better the second time through, just without wow. expectations and theorizing or anything like that, just watching it purely and knowing what's happening. Really, Just good. watching it, not having the stress of, I have to do a podcast about this, so I got to take crazy exactly. notes. And then we Legitimately, and like knowing yeah. that Kang is going to be revealed at the end, it's much easier to see how they layer that in throughout, which I thought was really good. And visually, it's good. Emotionally, it's good. I haven't watched WandaVision again, but that's another one that's like high up there for me. Um, yeah. And least when favorite... I rewatched Loki, I noticed that like they would drop things and the sound effect would go Kang. And least favorite is She-Hulk. Heads down. Oh, dude, no. Eternals is worse than that, bro. Is it, though? Yes. No, I don't think so. Oh, well, you like the beautiful shots in Eternals? You're just like, Yes, I do. The Chloe Zhao stuff is very good. Oh, this is beautiful. (laughs) And uh, we talked about this before, but Eternals, if you look at it as a DC movie, it's pretty good. If you look at it as a Marvel movie. Oh, go fuck yourself with that. That's bullshit. You can't do that. You can't. Beautiful shots. That's like going into McDonald's. You're like, it's Burger King. You can't do that shit. Burger King's better. I agree. Yeah. Great. That's not the question, though. Let's go to, oh, what did you think? We actually had, um, what did you think of it as a whole? Um, Not a cohesive story. (laughs) I I think we can say that. I don't care about that. I mean, as a whole, I'm getting a little worried that maybe we're uh, things are getting a little rocky. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're not on a stable ground before, but I don't know, man. There's also hopes for new crazy stuff in the future. You know? Yeah, I think. I think. I mean, I'm very excited for Guardians three. I think that like. There's some. I'm excited for Ant Man. I mean, there's going to be some great stuff coming out for sure. I've said this a million times, but Phase Four to me feels like we're throwing spaghetti at the wall. Uh, Pandemic messed a bunch of things up in terms of scheduling. Let's throw stuff out there. How do we do TV and movies at the same time? I don't know. Here we go. And then everything that we've heard about Phase Five and Six feel like, and we're settling down a little bit, and we're focusing it up, and now we're getting to the story. So, go with it. This is from Ben the Border Collie. How hard was it to fake interest in an alien whale sex tent for that interview, Alex? And Ben, that was the hardest thing I've ever had to do. So so what? difficult. Oh, God. You love that shit. I do love that shit. <laughs> that fucking look was too much. That look that you just did. Uh, don't. Stop. Would you just, uh, why would I log in for this? This is, this is just awful, man. Oh my God! This is from poor e- wife. Easy, re- easy reader over on YouTube. How do you feel about Disney potentially scaling back on their productions? This is part of Bob Iger, the old head of Disney, taking over from Bob Ch- Chapek, the new head of Disney. There's a lot of talk about Disney's finances and maybe scaling back on productions and other things. I don't know. I always think that's fine. That's a totally fine thing to do. Focus on the things that work. Focus on the things you need. It's not like Disney is a very 
experimental unit or anything like that anyway. They're not like, well, let's just try whatever. They're Disney. So if they're going to scale back a little bit, that's okay. I don't know. I mean, hopefully it's not... Uh, yeah, hopefully it's not bad news, but, um, you know. Well, they're going to have to fire a bunch hey, of people. Uh, other than that. what are you drinking? How was oh, Stray Bullies drink? Yeah, I'm drinking the Stray Bullies drink, which is very good. I yeah. really like it. And I'll give a shout out to the smoked paprika that's in there. Gives it a really nice kick, and I keep being surprised every time I take a sip. What are you uh, drinking? Oh, I'm drinking. You remember those... Um... Long boards we always used to drink at the uh, when we had a, sh- a live show in oh, an yeah. actual place. Uh, this by the same company, but it's called uh, uh, Maui Ooh. Time, and uh, it's wait—is it Maui Time or My Time? My time. No, that's My Time. Yeah, oh, that's a good pun. I like it. Yeah. This is from Nat Townsend. I love your year-end comics recommendations. Any chance you could drop the list earlier this year? Hanukkah is around the corner. The answer is no. We're not going to drop it. Earlier. Selvin's got us working so hard. We got no. We got no free time. Well, I sent you guys an email earlier today about it. So yeah, I uh, didn't get it. Oh, you didn't get that email. Okay. Yeah. Well, surprise to you. We definitely will do a best of the year, but it's probably going to be our last show of the year, if anything like it was previously. If you want an early Kanaka gift, hey, go fuck yourself. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Sorry about that, Nat. Um, <laughs> Uh, here we go. This is from Pablo Diego Martinez. What happened to Justin and Pete? Just to recap really quickly, Justin is on an airplane and Pete's Wi-Fi wasn't working. Yeah, and then, I lost ooh, power. Yeah. You all right, though, now? You good? Yeah, hopefully. Did you get uh, all the meat into the cooler out back as quickly as possible? <laughs> <laughs> Just start eating it. Oh. <laughs> all right. We got one last one. This is a long one. This is from Stray Bullet over here. So I went to the Comixology store as you do and clicked on the new tab and scrolled down to new releases. I noticed there was a ton of new releases. And when I started clicking on them to purchase, it told me I was pre ordering. It's Tuesday, so that's fine for everything except DC because they were released today, but I was choosing DC books. Then I realized I was pre ordering not just today, but for the next three weeks. Is this bullshit? Should I be upset? It seems shady, mostly because it's Amazon, but I would probably buy these titles anyway. Still feels a little shady. I, I think pre-ordering is great. You know, you just let them know what you're interested in, and they're like, hey, we'll put you on the list, bro, and then you'll get it. I mean, any way that you can kind of be like, yes, more comics, or I need more comics in my life, or any things that we can do so uh, comics stay relevant and popular and and marvel and dc and other combo creators are 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 able to make money and keep doing it i'm all for man because uh i don't want to see this industry die it's uh it's been a a a real joy and a real uh staple in my life so it would be shitty if if things uh started to decline so if that's what DC's got to do, or that's what Comixology's got to do. If they got to do it like three, four weeks in advance to help, uh, great. Yeah, I, I will mention I haven't really used Comixology in a while. We have just some discussion here in the comments because Comixology really went downhill when Amazon merged their two services, but. They have improved since. They have listened to feedback and changed things, so they are better than they were, though not back to full-fledged. But I will say they used to have a separation between would you like to subscribe to this title where it would automatically buy it for you every month versus buy an individual issue. So if there's confusion there, that seems like based on what Straight is saying... Yeah, there's something that they got to improve there. Uh, because ultimately, you don't want to... It's a bad service. I agree with you 100%. Buy things in advance. Uh, commit to buying things if you can. Absolutely. But at the same time, if you're buying things you don't want to buy, that's not good. Also, if you can only subscribe and not buy individual issues, that mm-hmm. blows too. That's not a fun way to... We did get one last one here, which I thought was a nice one to end with over on YouTube from Stanley. Any fun holiday traditions you guys love? Do you get each other gifts? <laughs> um, do you have any uh, fun holiday traditions? Ooh, fun holiday traditions. Kanaka, does that count? Sure does, yeah. I, know. I will say, it's a very weird thing to do. Again, I know I mentioned I'm Jewish several times in this 
but uh, we we don't do advent calendars. But I got sent two advent calendars. One of them was from Funko Pop. It's a oh. Funko Pop The Office advent calendar. So every day you get a new teeny tiny little office Funko Pop. And then I got another one from DreamWorks slash Sugar Fita. So every day it's a DreamWorks character gives you four little pieces of candy. And I was like, nice. I, I can't not give this to my kids. Yeah. 24 days of tiny little action figures and candy. Candy? That's yeah. great. And now we worship Christ. So it's all working out very nicely. Nice. Uh, we do a old tradition that was passed down in the family, which... I'm now realizing sounds uh, horrible. Um, uh, it's it's uh, it's called uh, find the pickle, and it's a pickle ornament that you put on the tree and you hide it on the tree. Oh, okay. And if you uh, find the pickle, then you get an extra present. <laughs> <laughs> Which oh. sounds ridiculous, but. Yeah. Um, was uh was, <laughs> was, a, was did was uncle fun... pete come up with that nope nope no. nope that's okay. been passed down uh you know so uh, yeah uh absolutely ridiculous but yeah pickle ornament is a real deal uh, it's a real thing and uh yeah all right there we go and that is it for your audience questions we're gonna now move to our next section which is trivia and for that I'm going to turn it over to Pete LePage. Hey, all right. How about this timing? Uh, what would you have done if there was, uh, if I didn't oh, get gosh. on? I don't even know. I, I will tell you, though, we do actually have somebody who we are going to invite in for trivia today for okay. a very specific reason. Um, it's your most favorite guy, Nat Towson, but he is raising money for a very good cause, which oh. is why we're going to bring him in for trivia today. Okay. Um, normally... We would do it uh, for. Oh, there we go. Hold on. Hey, there's Nat. Uh, normally we would do it for a Midtown card or a Long John Silver's gift card, but this week, if hey. Nat can make. Hey, there's Nat. Uh, we are going to do it for a cat. Nat! Nat, you want to Nat, talk about cat? Nat's Nat? cat? Yeah, sure. Do you want me to tell you about it before trivia? Yeah, do it. Yeah, so uh, I am, a, uh, as you might not be surprised to learn, a, a cat owner. I have two cats, and I live in a neighborhood that's full of feral cats, and uh, there's a lot of people who take care of them, but I, I recently rescued a cat who was uh, a house cat, not a feral cat, and they often don't survive the winter. Uh, and she was not looking so good, and she was definitely an abandoned cat, and I've tried for about a month to find her owner, uh, put up signs everywhere, tried online, I've tried everything, and unfortunately it looks like she was just thrown out. Uh, and she's very sweet, and actually, Penny, come here. Uh, for the for the video... It would be amazing uh, yeah. if the cat actually listened and came, because I've never <laughs> seen that she before. Keeps, she, she will come when you call her, but she was passed out. But this is Penny. Uh, and she's, like, super sweet, and she's doing really well now, and she's healthy, and her coat has gotten a lot better. Um, but... Uh, I've gotten a lot of help from these really these uh, what they call TNR organizations. They trap, neuter, and release cats, and they also help people rehome them in the neighborhood. Uh, and it's really it's an expensive process because there've been a lot of vet bills. So I'm raising money, uh, and I'm going to donate my winnings, fingers crossed, uh, to covering the costs for uh, getting these cats like rabies vaccinations, FIV vaccinations, for example, and finding a, a new home for this cat. And any extra money that we don't, uh, that doesn't just cover this uh, set of vet bills, we're going to be donating to the TNR organizations in the neighborhood that helped us. Uh, that helped us. Great. Out, I mean, to do in this who wouldn't want to uh, adopt a cat who actually cares when you call them? I mean, so she far. So nice. She was just yeah, it's got like street. a cool two face thing going well, on as and well. Just, I just to ask, since I don't think you mentioned this, uh, other than what you're playing for here, we'll see if you get the $25 or not. Yeah. If people do want to donate, where can they donate? Um, so I, I have. I've mostly just been accepting, uh, I'm at Nat Towson on Venmo, and I recognize that that's a little sketchy now that I'm broadcasting this to people who I yeah, don't know. Yeah, super sketch, bro. I know. All Do you right, want to well, leave your social as well, just to make it legit? Yeah, yeah, if you don't mind. Uh, well, GoFundMe makes it uh, super easy, so uh, 
Are you setting up a GoFundMe right now no, as we talk? No, I'm just like like trying to find the easiest way to tell you the link that that it has because it, it's it's the the GoFundMe is called Help Penny Find a Home, and so the link is like GoFundMe.com/f/help-penny-find-a-new-home. I'm just gonna drop it in the chat here. Obviously, yeah, later, man. just look at Help Find Penny Find a New Home on. GoFundMe. I think you over-dashed. Did I? No, there's a dash between every word. Help Penny find a new home. Yeah. Um, All right. Well, regardless, why don't we start this trivia? Pete, take it away. All right. Great. Thank you. Today's trivia is on topical comic news and a small nod to the legend Albert P. Un. R.I.P. Please listen to all three options before making your selection. Here we go. Question number one. What will the new martial artist do um, that we get in DC's Dark Crisis? What is the name of the new martial artist that we get in the DC's Dark Crisis, Dark Crisis <laughs> Sorry, War what, Zone? What, is this, what word are you saying? I don't know. I'm I'm been drinking. I didn't think Marsha, my internet was going to come on, Art, so I was. <laughs> All right, new. Uh, we got a new hero. Uh, Dark Crisis War Zone. Is it a Red Canary? B, medium rare canary, or C, Ronnie Cox? Uh, I'm going to go with, I'm going to say A, red canary. Nice job. Well done. And I'm sure the cat enjoys the canary talk. Here we go. Question number two. What's the new comic that is spinning out of Marvel's dark web? Uh, Is it A, Hollow's Eve, B, a rabbi named Steve, or C, Bill Mummy? Uh, are they all rhymed? Uh, I'm going to say it's, it's, I think it's A. I'm going to go with A again. A is correct. All right, here we go. Last one. Question number three. What is the name of the new Boom Studio sci-fi time-traveling assassin drama? Is it A, a vicious circle, B, a dude named Urkel, or is it C, Robert Egon? Uh, I'm gonna close it out with a, a triple A. It's A again, Pete. That is correct. Oh my God, wow. that cat is absolutely adorable. Whew! Good news. We are going to send you 25 bucks to support little this Penny. Cat. Very cute cat. Wish I could adopt it. I'm allergic to cats, but uh, a bummer. You hide behind. He's a bummer, particularly you hide because behind that. my oldest keeps asking for a cat. But thank you, Dad, for coming on. Thank you for sharing this. Good luck. Thank you. I'm at Nat Townsend on Venmo. Help Piney find a new home on GoFundMe. Thank you so much for anyone who can give money. And obviously, I know it's December and it's the same time to ask people for extra money. So thank you. No, but but if you can, that means I extra appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. All right. Thanks, Nat. Have a good night. Excelsior! And and of course, uh, Kevin is right. It's the 1990 hit Captain Marvel. Captain America? Captain America. (laughs) Oh, you have been drinking. Yeah. All right. Why don't we move on to talk about what comics are coming out this week that we're excited about. And I'll mention and apologize about this because I know Pete's going to be so mad at me. We're talking about, uh, and I counted this, on the Stack podcast, 39 comic books. It's a lot of comic books. Yeah, no wonder my internet shut down. There you go, from downloading all of those comic books and stuff. Uh, but very exciting. Tons of stuff to choose from. Pete, I think I know the answer to this, but what are you most looking forward to that's coming out this week? Well, there's uh, there's a lot of them, and mm-hmm. I'm looking forward to a lot of them, but uh, I'm really looking forward to The Ones, number two, Punisher, number eight, and Do a Power Bomb number seven. Very excited about that. That is the last oh. issue of Do a Parabon, oh, which God. has been absolutely phenomenal. I'll give a shout out, though, to one that I got very excited about just based on the creative team. Know Your Station, number one, from Boom Studios. Oh, it's written yeah. by Sarah Galley, who I've been loving the stuff that she's been doing on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And art is by Liana Kangas, who is on a real big upswing as well and is awesome. There's a new sci-fi tale from both of them, so I'm very excited to chat about all of that. And folks, that is it for this week's show. We want to thank John Dunning for coming on to talk about Dark Horse Comics Wiper. Next week, very excited about this, W. Maxwell Prince and Martin Morazzo are going to be here 
and talk about their new slash old book, Art Brute, as well as maybe we'll sneak in some ice cream man questions. I guess we'll see what happens. Yeah. Also, the Doom Room, our Doom Patrol podcast, kicking off with season four. Starting this Thursday, also Marvel Vision, our Marvel podcast. We are working our way through the Marvel movies with Marvel Rewatch with a bunch of guests. It's been very fun. That's going to be going up on Fridays. Also, I forgot to mention this earlier, but the Stack podcast comes out Wednesday, 9 a.m., both in the Comic Book Club feed and its own dedicated Stack feed with, as mentioned, 39 comic books reviews this week. We're going to get through it. We're going to do it, Pete. We're going to have a good time. Patreon.com slash comic book club to support the show and all the shows we do. Don't forget to subscribe and follow on Apple, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice at Comic Book Live on Twitter, Comic Book Club Live on Instagram, Comic Book Club Live on TikTok, Comic Book Club Live.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, good night. Take care of yourself out there. Make sure your Wi Fi is on. Turn it on. <laughs>